0: Good morning, and welcome to Catalyst. Uh, we are kicking off everything today, and before we get into what we're talking about today, I would like to announce that we are having a child this morning. You're like, what are you talking about? Our church plant, Elevate Christian Church, is officially kicking off today, being led—yes, absolutely— Uh, We have several people there representing Catalyst. Some of our elders are there this morning uh, supporting. I remember uh, on March, gosh, was it March 8th? 2008 when we kicked off Catalyst Christian Church at East Jessman High School. I remember the excitement of that and a new church was born. New church is being born in Lexington right now uh, at LCA, being pastored by our former youth minister, Rob Harlemert, And several people from Catalyst are the core team from that. And we are just really excited to see God doing something new in the midst of all of this nonsense and everything that we find ourselves in. So uh, celebrate the birth of of a new church about to do God's work in the world. It's amazing, amazing. And we hope that that is the first church of many that we send out of here, uh, raising up church planters and planting new congregations to reach people for the Lord. Amen? That's awesome. I'm very, very excited. But today, we are kicking off a brand new series called The Culture War. What is a Christian to do? And today, the first part is uh, called The Spirit of the Age in the spirit of the age, we'll talk about what that is. The main thing today is feeling overwhelmed leads to disengagement, but Jesus calls us to stand firm. All right, so this series is going to be a Christian response to what I see going on in the world and how we're supposed to respond to it. There's definitely a culture war going on. There's no two ways about it. Everybody knows it. Everybody talks about it. Everywhere but Church. We don't talk about it in church because that is just getting political, I guess. That is getting, that you just need to uh, stay away from those because that is controversial. That isn't something that people, polite people, talk about. Well, I've been told that addressing these issues, like I said, is wrong. And to that, and, and we just need to keep our heads down and just do our little church thing. Well, to that I respond this. That attitude is why in just a few decades we've gotten to where we are now. All right, by refusing to stand 30 years ago when the secular humanist movement had no momentum, by refusing to address it then, we've allowed it to a foothold in our culture and has metastasized what we see today. And I believe, this is my opinion, but I believe that there is a satanic onslaught <clears throat> Uh, that has been released onto our society. And the Bible refers to this as the spirit of the age. It's past time of keeping our heads down, hoping that it go away, ignoring it. Except so we tried that. We have tried that. And what's that gotten us? We've tried going along to get along, not raising a fuss. What's that gotten us? So it's time for a Christian response to the culture war that we find ourselves in. All right? Uh, The first step is recognize what's really going on. Uh, before, uh, Before we get into the actual spirit of the age, I wanna tell you this, and some people don't like this, but this is the truth. We have to realize that God is not in control. You're like, whoa, how could a pastor say God's not in control? Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on, that does not mean that God has abandoned us. It does not mean that Satan is more powerful than God, nor that it means that Satan ultimately wins. That is not what that means. What that means is that God, in this particular chapter of human history, has temporarily stepped back and allowed Satan a limited amount of reign on this earth, okay? And those are not my words, those are Jesus' words. If you have a problem with that, argue with Jesus because Jesus referred to Satan as the prince of this world four times in a span of six chapters in the book of John. Uh, When Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness, Satan said, listen, all of these kingdoms have been given to me and I can give them to whoever they want, whoever I want. Uh, Jesus himself said that Satan is ruling this world right now. Jesus himself said that. For those who still don't believe it, I simply ask this, look around. Is this what it looks like with God ruling? God's in control? Is this world what it looks like when God's in control? Uh, no, and if you think that this world, with all of the evil and all of the sin and all of everything that's going on, is what it looks like when God's in control, um, I, I wonder what your opinion of God is. So guys, I'm telling you, why would there also be a book of Revelation where there's this huge war where Jesus returns and defeats the raiding ruler of this world? Okay, so, so uh, the Bible clearly states this chapter in human history— uh, uh, Satan is reigning, and the spirit of the age is in full bloom right now. So what do we do about it? That's it. First of all, we recognize that everything we're facing is temporary, everything. There is nothing that you are facing right now, no sin, no temptation, no discouragement, no defeat that will last forever. Everything is temporary. Uh, second, we recognize that even though he's he, uh, he is reigning now, uh, Satan's reigning now, God has limited his power, he does not have full-blown power. Only in hell does Satan have full reign. And this is not hell. <clears throat> the third, we recognize his tactics and his strategy. That's what we're going to talk about today. All right, it's clearly that in the Bible. Satan has a three-part strategy to get, known as the spirit of the age to get, his, to get the people of this world over to his side. And this is the first, the three-part strategy. Here, here's what it is. First one is that it changed the definition of evil to good, evil and good, okay? Uh, Isaiah 520 says this, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Who put darkness for light and light for darkness, to put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Okay, so the first step that the spirit of the age is going to wage on you and on our society is to try to get us to think that what is good is actually evil and what is evil is actually good. That is the first step. And you say, there's no way that anyone could do that to me because I know what's good, I know what's right, I know what's wrong, I know what's evil. Well, the Bible clearly states, that in the end times, before the return of Jesus, that people will literally call good evil and evil good. Now, how in the the world does Satan get us to do that? How does he get otherwise intelligent people to think that evil is good and good is evil? Well, the first thing we have, the strategy is very cunning. This is how he does it, all right? He does not try to convince us of good versus evil, he does not argue on that plane because that would awaken our reason or our logic, and all reason and logic belong to God. No, 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 no. The spirit of the age is far too cunning to try to talk about good, uh, good and evil on reason. He takes it to a different level. The spirit of the age um, doesn't try to convince us good versus evil. He argues on the this is cool, this is uncool, this is hip, this is not hip, this, this, this is relevant, this is irrelevant. Okay? That is the plane that the spirit of the age argues on. He tries to convince us not that something is right or wrong, but something is new and trendy and hip, and everyone's doing this. And to not do this is to put yourself out of touch with society. That's how he gets otherwise intelligent people, to, to accept the most asinine things, the most stupid things, the most ridiculous proposals that we've ever heard. Now, uh, it it was classically illustrated in the book, uh, The The Emperor's New Clothes. It was one of my favorite stories as a kid, The Emperor's New Clothes. For those of you all that don't know the story of The Emperor's New Clothes, um, it was by Hans Christian Andersen, and he, uh, two scoundrels came to a kingdom, and they told the emperor that they were tailors and they could make clothes that only wise people could see. A fool would not be able to see them. And so they, they, he, the, the emperor was delighted. He put him all in this room with some spinning wheels, some looms, and and, they would go, and the, the, the thieves and scoundrels sat there going through the motions. They were making, it looked like they were making clothes. They had needles that were going to nothing. And all of the, the, the king's people were looking at this, and they were saying, I don't see anything, but I don't want to be a fool, so I'm going to say how beautiful they are. And they all started telling me how beautiful the clothes were. And the emperor, it comes day it comes time for the scoundrels and the thieves to show the emperor his new clothes. And he walks in, and there's nothing there. And the thieves say, look at your new clothes. And the king and the emperor's like, I don't see anything, but I don't want to be thought a fool. So I'm going to talk about, oh, these are amazing. And he even stands there for his fitting like this. And the, and the thieves continue, you know, pretend to put the emperor's new clothes on him. And all the people around, the guy's completely naked. And everyone talks about how beautiful the clothes are. And so he puts the clothes on and then he assembles the town and he walks naked down the street. And everyone in the town is like, uh, uh, Emperor doesn't have any clothes on, but I don't want to be thought a fool. So, oh, look at those beautiful, look at the beautiful shirt and the beautiful pants. And every, he walks completely naked down the street. Finally, a little child goes, hey, the emperor doesn't have any clothes on. And all of a sudden, everybody realizes they've been duped. As for the scoundrels and thieves, they, they, they had left the kingdom with the king's money. And everybody realized what fools they had been. See, Hans Christian Andersen understood the power of social shaming, of groupthink, of how to get people to, to deny what their eyes are seeing and to go along with the group, regardless of what is going on in here. To defy reason, to defy, log, to defy logic, and to go with the crowd because you don't want to be thought a fool. He nailed it. The power of social shaming. And we are living in that town right now, America. That town is America. Look at what we have been told to accept. I'm just going to list a few things. That otherwise intelligent, reasoning human beings have accepted in our society that women have male genitalia and men can give birth. We have been told that that is scientific. and Despite what our eyes, despite what reason says, we've been told that. That women and men can compete equally in sports, that biological males have no inherent advantage. We've been told that. Um, that there are now currently 58 genders We've been told that, and anyone who doesn't is out of touch, a fool. Uh, we've been told that a couple living together outside of wedlock is just as solid a family as, married, as a married couple with kids, despite the evidence that we see with our eyes. We've been told that two men or two women can raise a child just as well as a mother and a father, despite what all the evidence says. We've been told that skin color not character, is the sole determiner of whether a person is right, good, or qualified, despite all of the evidence to the, to the contrary. We've been told that things that don't exist can create themselves and that a creator God um, is unnecessary for life to begin. We've been told that. We've been told that a system of government a la socialism that has failed every single time that has been implemented is the right thing for us. I could go on. See, the spirit of the age doesn't use reason and logic to convince us of those things. The spirit of the age is not such a fool. The spirit of the age, not, not, not one of those things can be argue, argued logically or using reason. Those things have been accepted by society, not by reason, but by social pressure, shaming, name-calling, professional assassination. spirit of the age uses shaming, social exclusion, social pressure to get you to say the emperor's new clothes are indeed beautiful how lovely they indeed are. And if you can't see them, you're a fool, a racist, a bigot, a bumpkin, uh, uh, unintelligent, cast out of the crowd. Look at what we have been brought to accept, people. Look at the methods used to accept it. That's the first method being used by Satan, the spirit of the age, to win as many people as possible. And that is why it is so important for Christians to be in the word of God regularly all right, to know what is right and wrong. We look to God's word, the Bible, not to society to know what is going on. Be certain of this. Anything that you are forced, shamed, cajoled, socially pressured, insulted for is not reason or logic and is not good for you. Simply the emperor's new clothes and scoundrels trying to get you to deny what your eyes are telling you. But unless we engage with the word of God, we will not be able to discern truth from fiction, right from wrong. Second part of the strategy is this: is to so diminish God's glory by deception. Second Corinthians four four says this: The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, so they cannot see the light of the gospel and displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The spirit of the age, Satan, wants to diminish glory, God's glory, wants to make God look so bad, so m- minuscule, so impossible. It, it just not powerful, impotent. That's what they want. That's what it wants us to see God as, as this nice little Mr. Rogers with the beard. He just kind of goes around loving people, but really not calling us to holiness or to change or to do anything that, uh, uh, that, that that would upset our lives. That's what the spirit of the age wants, to diminish God's glory, all right? God will not only be evil, but he'll be old, passé, irrelevant, uncool, a dinosaur. Nobody believes that God stuff anymore. That is to diminish the light of Christ. The, the spirit of the age will try to replace God's glory with humanism, portraying humanity and its goals and its dreams as the, of ultimate importance and priority. That is what the spirit of the age will do, try to diminish and, 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 uh, and, and basically denigrate the glory of God. Every time we use God's name as a swear word, take his name in vain, those kinds of things, we diminish the glory of God. Every single time that we choose the the, the things of this world over God, we're diminishing his glory. And so there's an onslaught on us and especially our children to diminish the glory of God everywhere possible to make God not look great. we just saying, God, you're so good spirit of the age hates that, all right? The third is this, and this is the big one, is to overwhelm and discourage God's people with evil so they disengage. This is the big one. This is what is going on in the church right now. This is what is going on in the world right now. Matthew 24, 12 through 13, Jesus says this, because of the increase in wickedness, this is in the season right before his return, the love of most will grow cold, so the, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. In other words, there will be such an onslaught of bad news, evil, and everything that everyone will be so discouraged that they just throw up their hands and say, I'm out checking out. Oh, you need my help? Tough. I'm done. I'm just done. I, I, I'm I just, there's just too much, I'm overwhelmed, I, I'm discouraged, and I'm just stepping back. I'm just stepping back. I'm stepping back from everything I love, I'm stepping back from my church, I'm stepping back from my friendships, I'm stepping back from my work, I'm just stepping back, I'm disengaging because I just can't handle it anymore. That will be what Jesus said, the default position of the people in the end times discouraged, and overwhelmed. That's what the goal of the spirit of the age is going on. You wonder why there's so much bad news being funneled to you on the media? You wonder why so much of this stuff is going on? Do you know what? It is is a a targeted tactic by the spirit of the age to get God's people to disengage, to stop, to check out, all right? In the World War II documentary, Band of Brothers, the 101st Airborne was on its way and they came under fire, taking fire from a tree line. Private Howard Blythe jumped down into a foxhole and froze. And he just, he just, he just froze. He panicked and he froze and he's, he's holding his, while, while the bullets were flying, the rest of his, rest of his uh, 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 soldiers, the rest of the 101st Airborne were returning fire. Blythe was just hunkered down. Well, Lieutenant uh, Ronald Spears saw him after the battle. He went up to Blythe and said, Blythe, why did you hunker down? Why did you not return fire? And Blythe said, because I was scared. And Spears goes, no, that's not why. We're all scared. He goes, why did you not return fire? And Blythe said, I don't know. Spears said, I know. He said, because you actually think that you're going home, he th- he said. You think you hunkered down there and you did not engage because you actually thought by not fighting you'll be able to go home. He said. The second we left New York Harbor, we we died. We were not coming home. We're gonna die on this battlefield. And he said, the moment you accept that, Blythe, that you're already dead, then and only then can you engage in fight and do what a soldier is supposed to do, once you realize that you are not going home, then all of a sudden you can do what a soldier does. And I see a lot of Howard Blythe in the church, and in society, disengaging, hunkered down, thinking that if they just kind of disengage, that somehow they'll be able to survive this world. The moment we were born, you guys, we began to die. We're not making it out of this world alive. And then and only then will you realize that, that when, when, when you accept that, then and only then will you be able to do what a Christian is called to do, to win the loss, to approach this world without fear, to, to, to do what, what Jesus wants us to do. Then and only then will we realize that we're dead men and dead women walking, We're not making it out of this world alive. Jesus Christ has saved us by his blood on the cross and and, and ensured us a spot in Him. Then and only then will we be able to engage this world, all right? But here's the thing. This is what Satan is going to try to do to you and is is doing to you now and will continue to do to you. This is what he's going to try to do. He's going to try to do three things. To get you to disengage. This is what's going on. If you wonder, I'm hoping that this basically kind of lifts the fog from what's going on. This is the first thing that he's going to try to do. The goal of the spirit of the age is discouragement and disengagement. This is what Satan is trying to do to you. Number one, trying to get you to disengage from what you love. From what you love. All right? Psalm 1611 says this, you make known to me the path of life. You fulfill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Okay? In other words, God has filled this world with things for us to do and love and enjoy for no other reason other than that he loves you. Right? I, it was the incomparable C.S. Lewis that taught me this concept. See, guys, I grew up that the good, uh, thinking that the good stuff was all on Satan's side. That everything you enjoy, all the party, all the good stuff was all on Satan's side, and it was just kind of your job to stay away from all of that. Nothing could be further from the truth. All pleasures in life, all fun, excitement. I, I thought that was all Satan's territory. And C.S. Lewis said, no, all that stuff is on God's territory. All that stuff is God's territory. It's, it, it's a complete deception to think that anything enjoy, enjoyable is on Satan's side. Here's the truth. Satan hates pleasure. Satan hates it when you have a good time. He hates it when you enjoy anything can't stand it and if he could get us to sin without enjoying something he would and the second he can get us to that point he will i want to ask any uh, just look at the addict look at the addict screw tape letters c.s lewis says satan's finished masterpiece in you and in me if satan had his way in you in me all right is to get the human to invest 100 percent of of the, the human in the sin and receive no pleasure from it at all that is his finished masterpiece let's take a look at the addict like i said at first the high is great and the cost is little and pretty soon the high isn't so great you got to buy more high isn't so great got to buy more high isn't so great and pretty soon the addict is receiving no pleasure from the from the high at all does it just to not feel bad so the, the addict is investing 100% of himself or herself in this drug and receiving no pleasure from it. That is, that is Satan's finished masterpiece. That's exactly what he wants from you, all right? If Satan's plan for you is to enjoy no friendship, no pleasure, no fellowship, no laughter, no joy. He cannot stand it when you are doing something that you enjoy. If you like hunting, sports, he hates that. If you enjoy music, if you enjoy reading, he hates that. And if he can get you to live away from your heart, he will. And so I see a lot of people doing that today. And he's succeeding. I'm gonna talk to the men in here. Men, how many of you all are truly living from your heart as God created you to live? How many? Are you finding joy in life, men? Or are you living in some type of dingy, compromise existence that you can't stand, but feel that you have to. Author John Eldridge, with his groundbreaking book, Wild at Heart, talks about how so many men, women, especially men, are living lives disconnected from who God created them to be. We spend time doing neither what we should, nor even what we really even want. We'll arrive at heaven, or hell, and look back and say, I wasted all my time doing neither what I wanted to, what I should have, neither what I enjoyed. We follow dreams and aren't ours, chasing goals that we let others determine for us, finding little to no joy in life. Satan's work in your life, I hear me in this, Satan's work in your life may not, be, not, may not be to make you evil. Satan's finished work in your life may, to make, may be just to make you boring. be disengaged from life, to be disengaged from the things you love, to be disengaged from anything meaningful or eternal. So I'm calling you church, do the opposite. What do you love? I want you to go home today and look in the mirror and I want you to ask yourself, what do you love? What brings you to life? What makes you feel alive? What may, what brings you joy? And there's a reason for that. Unless it is specifically in the Bible a sin. Unless it is specifically like that, there's a reason for the things you love in life. Do you like riding a motorcycle? Do you? Does it make you feel alive? Then go do it. Do you like building things? With your hands. Does that make you feel alive? Does that connect you with God? Well, then you need to do it. God put it in you to do that. Do you like playing sports? Do you like hunting? Do you like fishing? Do you like having coffee with a friend? Go do it. Because that's what God created you to do. Do you like scrapbooking or writing or gardening or going for walks? Do you understand you have those things for a reason, those passions, and that we're called to live in them God has filled this world with so many things for us to do without him minding in the least, simply because he loves you. And we are disengaging from all of that. I see it every day. So what do you love? Do you love standing at the edge of the Grand Canyon and that feeling of being overwhelmed with something so much grander and more beautiful and bigger than you could ever imagine? Good. That's living. We're meant to enjoy and behold greatness because everything that you love and everything that you engage in points you back to the one who gave it to you. Irenaeus, the early church father said, the glory of God is a man or woman fully alive. And when you engage in the things that God has provided for you, with the loves that he's placed in your heart, you are living from your heart. I've determined personally I'm 47, I should be having a midlife crisis. I should be drumming my hands on the, uh, my fingers just wondering why life has passed me by. That's what I'm supposed to do. That's a script written for us 47-year-olds. You know that, right? Yeah. Yep. When I was younger, I played every sport I could possibly find. I loved it. I dove headfirst into music. I wanted to learn as many instruments as I could. Why? Because they were there. I determined at a young age I was going to go fully into, uh, just fully into this life. I love music, because when I play music, I'm living from my heart. God created me to be a musician, and when I sit down with my bass guitar, my beloved pink lady, I sense a huge smile on God's face. I play for him, and him alone, because God loves music, and when he and when, when he we play music as musicians, I feel a big smile on God's face. And I don't don't give me this nonsense that you're too old to do something. Just in my 40s, I've learned to do amazing things. I've learned how to hunt deer. i never hunted a deer before age 40. I learned how to scuba dive with my son, get out in God's creation, learn how to ride a motorcycle. I learned to do those things in my forties. Fly fishing's next. I can't wait to learn how to fly fish. That's my next thing I'm gonna engage in this world because that's what God has provided for us to do. Uh, God called me to Nepal and India to do mission work there and partner with believers there. I love travel. I love different cultures. I love working with people that don't look like me and don't talk like me and don't act like me because we have Christ in common. I love that stuff. It makes me feel alive and God called me to do that because it's all part of the adventure and I can't wait to see what is next. Guys, this world is so Amazing. It is so amazing. This is the coolest world in the, in, in, that we've ever seen, guys. And, but Satan wants you depressed and discouraged and act, actively staying away from all these things that God wants us to engage in. Look what the spirit of age has gotten us to stay away from. He's actually gotten us to stop, uh, gotten us to stop doing what we love. What fools we are. Don't disengage from the things you love. The second thing that he calls us to disengage from is our community. He wants to overwhelm you so that you disengage from your friends and your community. Look at what God wants for all of us as believers in Christ. This is what he wants. This is the vision. Acts 2, 42-47, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and sighs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. How often? Every day. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. That is what God wants for all of us. That's the vision. How many of us are living that? How many of us actually have friends? How many of us, just in the last 18 months, have walked away from friendships, people that we love, people that we really enjoy being around? We've just allowed that relationship to get cold. How many of us have disengaged from our church? How many people have, have just said, I'm, I'm just stepping back. There's too much evil, too much. I'm just, I'm just going to sit here discouraged? That's the spirit of the age. That's the spirit of the age i talk with several people in this church who've been absent or simply not as regular as they used to be. There's several reasons, but the most common one is simply that they're tired, discouraged. They just don't feel like it. Spirit of the age. How many of you all have lost friends in the past year? I have. Not because someone sinned, not because you had or they had. It's just because of mask mandates, vaccine disputes, Political disagreements have nothing to do with God or his people. I've been accused of not being a Christian by people I used to worship and eat meals with. The spirit of the age is trying to get us to disengage from each other because the power of the church and the greatest joys in life are found in relationships and friendships with others. And the spirit of the age can separate us and he wins. That's what's going on right now in so many of us we're falling victim to it. We're surrendering without a fight. Standing firm to the end means doing the exact opposite of what the spirit of the age tells you to do, right? So it means becoming intentional about friendships. It means becoming intentional about community and being part of the church. It means going back to Acts two forty-two through 47 and saying this is our vision. This is what we're going to do. A spirit of age is trying to discourage us to disengage from our community. We'll go full bore the opposite way. Full bore the opposite way. Make intentional commitments to never miss a Sunday morning uh, worship time. Join a community group and, and, and never miss. It's not optional, it's essential. It's not something you do if the schedule's clear. No, this is what we do because this is who we are. Be intentional about inviting people over for dinner, for coffee. How many of you all have, have invited someone over for dinner in the last month or been invited over for dinner in the last month? Probably not many because the spirit of age has dis- caused us to disengage from the people that we love, what fools we are. Go hiking with someone. Invite someone to lunch this week. We need to break this wet blanket of, uh, of disfellowship that's descended on us this past year. Why do we accept it? Why do we accept the, 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 uh, just the, the distancing of relationships and the distancing of, from, from the people that we love? Why do we accept that? Like I said, spirit of the age doesn't use reason and logic. It's just what everyone's doing now. Satan can get us to disengage from a community and our friends. He'll beat us. He'll win. Community group sign-ups are today. You want to fight spirit of the age? Join a community group today. We're having a cookout at Rock Fence Park. You want to fight spirit of the age? You know what would really, really hack Satan off? If we were to go over there and have a great time laughing together. Seriously, enjoying each other's friendship, laughing, watching the kids play, enjoying the beautiful day. He hates that. I say we do it. It's a declaration of war. We're standing firm to the end. The spirit of the age will not deceive us into disengaging from our community and from our friends. And I hope you all stand firm to the end. And the last thing he's trying to get us to do is to disengage from God's work in the world. Colossians 1, 9 through 9-12 says this, We continue to ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through the, all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all the power that is according, according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of His holy people in the kingdom of light. Like I just said spirit of the age knows the most powerful thing in the church is community friendships love therefore the number one attack attack will be on relationships because spirit of the age has lied to this nation saying you can be a christian without being part of the church you can be christian without being part of the church now we provide online for people who can't make it on sunday morning but i'm telling you if you're if you're getting lazy and you're staying home on sunday morning because you can't get out of bed again you're just going to watch the service And everything like that, I'm calling you to come be part of the fellowship. This is why. Because church is more than just a service. Church is not just hearing a sermon and listening to music. That's not what church is. Church is where we get together and worship together so that the work of God, discipleship, and and evangelism, winning the lost, feeding the hungry happens. That does not happen if you're not together. And the work of God is stopped in the world if Satan can get us to disengage, okay? Because this is what happens. Satan is perfectly happy with you being away from the church. I mean, he's perfectly happy with you listening to a sermon and hearing some music as long as you're quarantined. As long as your faith is quarantined and it's not going to someone else, it's perfectly happy. How do you kill a virus? You quarantine the people. How do you kill the gospel? You quarantine the Christians. You keep them away from each other so that the work of God is not done. Okay? If He can disengage us from our hearts and we live a joyless existence, being disengaged from our community and the friendships so that we're isolated and depressed, then He can fully stop the work of God in this world. You cannot win someone to Christ sitting in your home. You cannot pray for someone that you don't know is hurting. This is why Jesus told us to stand firm to the end. I love the fact that today, this morning, as we're sitting here, a new church is starting in Lexington. As I invite the band to come on back up. I love the fact there's a new church, church starting. I love it. Our church plant, Elevate Christian Church, led by former youth minister Rob Harlemer, built on a core group of people from this church. People who wanted to see God's work continue. Do you think that They would have done that if they weren't together, if they were not worshiping regularly together, if they were not here, if they're isolated in their homes listening to sermons and good music. You think they would have gotten together to plant a church? No. No, churches aren't planted that way. God's work is not done that way. And so, guys, we need to be engaged with each other because that's the only way the work of God is done. I don't know if you saw it outside as you walked in today. I left it there for a reason. There is a big, um, I guess, a a collection of grass right there. Do you know what that is? That was somebody's pillow this week. Somebody outside slept out there this week. I left it there. I, I thought about moving it, but I left it there because I wanted us to see as we walked into church today, the need for God's work in the world. I wanted it as a visual. As you walk out, I want you to take a right. Uh, just look, it's right here on the front porch, the front steps where somebody spent the night. It's been there all week. It's a visual of what happens when we are together. We can actually do the work of Christ in this world. If you're not Together, the work of Christ stops. We stop winning the lost. We stop discipling, and the gospel dies. That's what the spirit of the age wants. Stand firm to the end. Do not get discouraged. Do not not disengage from your heart, your community, the work of Christ in the world. Don't do that. Stand firm to the end, Jesus says, and you will be saved. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, as we, uh, as we look at this battle that's been declared on us by the spirit of the age, I know so many people today in here and online and, 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 just, and just away from us are discouraged. They're disengaged. They've allowed the spirit of the age to just overwhelm them with evil, with, with stress, and they've just stepped back and said, I'm disengaging. Lord, I want to pray against that. I pray that you will cut through the fog that Satan has put on us, and we can just see what's going on. Lord, we love you. I pray for this church. I pray for Elevate. I pray for your work in the world, and I just pray for a battle uh, for that, that we will just simply engage with our hearts, with each other, with your work. Lord, we love you. Don't let us fall victim